We are in a series. Um, we're walking through um, this book of Acts in, uh, in, during this summer. Um, Josh kicked it off last week, and, uh, and if you missed last week, you can always go back online. Um, you can check out our, uh, our podcast, or you can just go online and uh, listen to last week's message. Um, but the book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. Um, if you're familiar at all with the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it's that guy. He wrote one of the biographies that we have of Jesus in the New Testament. And um, Acts is actually kind of part two to um, Luke's book about Jesus and his ministry here on earth. Luke uh, it was a physician. He was a stickler for details. His goal was really to write down, okay, what, what really happened? Luke was not there for some of this at the time, as we see um, later on this summer. Um, he starts to talk about we because at a certain point he gets to know Paul. He gets to know some of the uh, followers of Jesus, the early church leaders. And um, he has this interest to write an accurate history about what happened in the life of Jesus and, and what happened after Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And so we're going to be in this series through the rest of the summer. And last week, what, what Josh talked about was really kind of the table of contents um, that Luke gave for this book of Acts. If, if we were going to sit down and say, Luke, what are you going to talk about for, for the rest of this book, for the rest of the 28 chapters here that we've got of, of your book of Acts, it would be this in, uh, in chapter 1, verse 8, and it'll be up on the screen. And this is what, this is what uh, he records uh, Jesus saying. Jesus gathers um, all the, the early leaders, they're, they're scared, they've seen Jesus alive, they're committed, they, they realize, okay, we kind of understand what's going on, and, and Jesus kind of gives them, okay, this is going to be your playbook for the rest of your lives. Jesus says this, but you, mean, meaning these early followers of Jesus, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And today, um, we're going to kind of walk through that, that first part of that. Jesus promises this, this gift of the Holy Spirit. And before we really dive in, um, we need to recognize that, that all of us are, are kind of from different backgrounds. Maybe you're like me. I didn't grow up in this thing called church. Um, went a few times. Um, I went to youth group a couple of times that a friend invited me to because there were cute girls there. Um, if that's not a great reason to go to church, I don't know what is. Uh, but I didn't really, didn't really know anything about church. My family didn't really go to church too much other than when I was really little. And so I uh, didn't know much about it. When I was in college, um, I had begun kind of exploring this person of Jesus. Honestly, my life was a mess. I knew I needed something different. My friend, Matt, was a follower of Jesus, so I started going to church. And, and for me, it was kind of like walking into a movie about a third of the way through, you know, when, when, when you, uh, you kind of grow up and you, and you didn't go to church and, and you decide to follow Jesus as an adult. Um, everybody else seems to know so much more about the Bible, so much more about the background, and, and, and many of you might feel that way about the Holy Spirit. Like, well, I've never really talked much about that. Some of you are from a background where the Holy Spirit was talked about a lot when, when you were growing up in church. And you've got uh, you know, a lot of different ideas about it. It's something that you love, something that's a, a major part of your life, and that's a, it's a great thing. And some of you did grow up in a church background, but the Holy Spirit wasn't really talked about too much. So before we dive into our text today, just, just really quick, I want to touch on a couple of things that, that, that kind of level the playing field that we need to know about who uh, the Holy Spirit is. First thing we want to know is that the Holy Spirit is God. In fact, in a couple of chapters, um, we will hear the Holy Spirit referred to, sinning against the Holy Spirit is the same thing as, as sinning against God. We believe in a triune God who is one God, but is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. The second thing we need to know uh, about this is that the Holy Spirit is promised by Jesus. We just heard last week how Jesus promised the Holy Spirit's going to come. And in John chapter 14, we, we read, and I think there's some slides up here about these three points here. Um, I, we read um, uh, in John chapter 14, we, we, we read about Jesus saying, I'm going to send a helper. After I'm gone, after I die, rise again from the dead, his followers didn't know what that really meant. But in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm going to send my helper. And, and the last thing that we need to know is, is uh, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1, uh, said that uh, all of us who are followers of Jesus, from the moment that we put our hope and trust in Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now, this is, this is all a quick overview. If you want to know more about this, um, starting not this week, but next week, we're going to have a three-week class on the Holy Spirit, just because we're, we're talking about that a little bit this summer in the book of Acts. And, and if that's something that really interests you or you don't really know much about it and you want to know more, um, you can go online and you can sign up for the class. It'll start next Thursday, and we'll just kind of run it for three weeks in the evening. And that kind of brings us to our text today. We're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Um, if you have a Bible, now's the time to open it up. Um, you can grab a Bible underneath your seat if you forgot yours. It's a blue Bible. We'll be in page 1007 in that Bible. And if you don't have one at home or, or you lost yours or, or you need one, we'd invite you to take that Bible. That's what it's there for. Write your name in it and bring it back. And because here we honor God's word, I'd invite you to stand up as I read uh, Acts chapter 1, we'll go through from, uh, verse, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, we'll go from verse 1 through verse 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? So how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. So there's a couple of questions that we're going to ask of, of this text today. The first one, I think, is kind of obvious. And, and, and this is the question. What happened like, like this, is, this is, can we just be honest as we read this? This is a crazy event that, that sometimes it's very difficult to know, what do we do with this? And, and what's interesting is, is we talked a little bit about how Luke is a physician, and his goal is to write down a detailed, accurate, and orderly account, first uh, in the Gospel of Luke of Jesus' life and ministry, and then in the book of Acts, what happens after Jesus dies and is raised again from the dead, what happens in the, the history of the early church. 
Many times throughout the book of Acts, we're going to hear Luke refer to specific dates, specific places, specific people, as if to say, listen, you don't believe me? They're still alive. Go ask them for yourselves. But as Luke describes this, we, 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 we hear his language become kind of vague because he's trying to figure out, how exactly do I explain what happened? Now, one of the first things te- Luke tells us is that this is the day of Pentecost, um, Pentecost is, is now mostly, I, I think, known as, as a kind of a, a Christian holiday. Today is actually the day of Pentecost in the church calendar that, that Christians for, thousands, for a couple thousand years has been, have been following and have been celebrating. But Pentecost is actually a Jewish holiday. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks. This is a celebration that marks the beginning of, of the wheat harvest. And it was one of the major festivals where if you didn't live in Jerusalem around the temple and you were Jewish, you were required to come to Jerusalem from wherever you are were if you were able and worship at the temple and bring your offerings to Jerusalem. And so Luke not only gives us the date when this happened, right, he also gives us this, this, this picture that there are literally thousands of people from all over the known world, those who were Jewish, and he also says proselytes, those who were, were converting to Judaism, they were in Jerusalem. People from many different cultures and backgrounds and, and places all around the known world, especially in the Roman Empire. And they were all together in one place. Luke is probably here referring to about 120 followers of Jesus who had kind of banded together. There were probably more followers of Jesus that were dispersed. But, but at the beginning of Acts in chapter 1, Luke tells us that there was about 120 followers of Jesus who had kind of banded together and were, were trying to figure out what to do. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And there's these divided tongues as of fire. Luke, who is so exact in his language, is trying to figure out exactly how to convey what happened. So it wasn't a mighty wind, but it was was like a mighty wind. And it wasn't literal tongues resting on people's heads, but it was something like that, like something miraculous is happening, and it kind of looked like that. And maybe there was this warmth, maybe there was this brightness, but but even Luke is at a loss of words to try to exactly describe what happened. But what is sure is that this is a miraculous event that took them by surprise. And when this happened, two things were done. One, the Holy Spirit gives these followers of Jesus an ability beyond themselves, a supernatural ability beyond themselves, to speak in other languages. This, 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 this word tongues that's referred to here, later on in the New Testament, if you're familiar with the gift of, of tongues, later on in the New Testament, uh, Paul will talk a little bit about that. It's kind of a, a heavenly language that, that some people use for, for prayer and worship that, that not every follower of Jesus possesses. This is not what Luke is talking about here. These are literal languages. These people from all over the known world were here, and they spoke different languages. Some of them may have known a little bit of Greek because they were raised Jewish. They may have known a little bit of Hebrew and Aramaic. But, but in general, they spoke in their own language. And these followers of Jesus, who were Galileans, mostly uneducated, surely could not have ever had the ability before, the opportunity to learn these other languages, were miraculously given through the Holy Spirit this power to speak in other languages. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is he compels these followers of Jesus to get up out of their seats, go out the front door, and tell the world, about Jesus. People are amazed just at the sound. Like even beyond the message, they're amazed. Like, wait a minute, these are, these are Galileans. 
These are not well-traveled, uh, these are not well-traveled guys. These are not educated guys. Some of them probably had a little bit of an education. You know, maybe Matthew was there who was a tax collector and, and knew a little bit about running a business. But in general, these are not people that you would expect to be able to speak in all these languages. But they could. People were amazed and astonished. And Luke talks a little bit about the message. He says that they, they heard them telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. This is the gospel. This is the fact that Jesus, Son of God, came to earth to die on the cross for you and for me. And by the power of God, three days later, rose again from the dead. And because of this, Peter's going to say next week, we'll hear him say, that, that we can repent, be forgiven of our sins. These are the mighty works of of God. And all were amazed and perplexed. And then remember last week we talked a little bit about this fact that when, when the Holy Spirit moves, when God moves, when, when people start coming to faith, oftentimes this is coupled with opposition and difficulty. And Luke here records that others were mocking. This amazing thing is being done, this incredible thing. Man, they're speaking in other languages, but some looked at that and mocked and said, man, they're just drunk. They're filled with new wine. Now, that's what happened. The question is, what's the significance? I mean, why does Luke record this? Why, why does God want us to know this? Why did this happen? Well, think about the picture that Luke paints here. After Jesus, we, heard, we saw him last week ascend into heaven... And, and, and for the next 10 days, we don't really know what they're doing, but they're all, these, these followers of Jesus are all together in one place. And it seems like what they've been doing is they've been waiting. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people what you have seen and what you have experienced. And so it seems like they are waiting and they are, they are praying. But in many ways, they're probably also scared. They don't know what to do. I mean, they're... They don't know. These are the same people who just, just 50 days earlier, when Jesus was arrested and tried, had run away. Peter himself had denied that he ever knew Jesus. And Luke paints this picture that they are all together in one place. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that is when they are given the abilities beyond their experiences, beyond their resources, beyond what they have experienced, what, beyond what they have learned, beyond their education, to get up and go outside and tell the world about Jesus. Listen, if these followers of Jesus could have done this on their own, they would have. They have seen amazing things. They have seen Jesus dying on the cross only to see him three days later. And then over the next 40 days, he appeared, the Apostle Paul tells us, to hundreds of people. They have seen Jesus alive. I mean, you would think at least at that point, they would be all over the place telling the world about Jesus. But they're human. In their own resources, in their own abilities, in their own courage, they couldn't do that. Until one day the Holy Spirit shows up and dwells among them and inside of them. And the message Luke gives is clear. The Holy Spirit gives them this supernatural ability and courage to compel them to stand up, to go outside in the streets, 
and tell the world about Jesus. Now, at this point, you might say, isn't that a little too far? I mean, are they really telling the world about Jesus? They just walked outside in the streets. We have a map up here. Remember where all these people um, were from. They were from all over the known world. Luke records it for us. He says they're, they're from uh, they're, they're Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya. There's Cyrene and from Rome. There's Cretans and Arabians. They are all in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit empowers these followers of Jesus to tell the world about Jesus. One way that we could put it is this way. Is that the Holy Spirit empowers the church to tell the world about Jesus. This is what Luke is getting at. Think about this. On this day of Pentecost, God had a plan for, for the people who were in the streets, who were visiting Jerusalem. And God wanted to reach those people with, with this good news about Jesus. That in their own time, Jesus had died on the cross for their sins, had risen again from the dead so they could experience eternal life. God wanted to reach them with that message. How did he do that? Luke says that God orchestrates his plan through ordinary human beings. Yes, they were waiting for Jesus, but remember, they were also scared. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit, but yes, they were also scared. They also didn't know what to do. Many of them had run when Jesus was tried and arrested. God orchestrates his plan through ordinary human beings who were devoted to Jesus, who had seen Jesus alive, and had forsaken all other things to follow Christ. God orchestrates his plan by filling them with the Holy Spirit. And he leads them outside their front door where they tell the world about Jesus, and as we'll hear next week, thousands come to faith in Jesus. Now, if we can back up a little bit from this text, there are people that you know. There are people in your families. There are friends that you have. There are people in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods. And I believe that God has a plan for them. God wants to reach them with this good news of this Savior, of this God who came to earth, forsake the blessings of heaven, became a human being, ministered here for 30 or 33 years, died on a cross for you and for me and for these people in your lives rose again from the dead so they could experience new life and eternal life. I believe God has a plan for them to reach them with that news so that they could put their hope and their trust in Jesus. And I believe today the Holy Spirit is still working. That God will orchestrate that plan through ordinary people like you and me who forsaking all other things decide to follow Christ and gives us abilities beyond our expertise. Abilities beyond our education, beyond our courage, beyond our backgrounds. 
in order to tell the world about Jesus. Here at Flourishing Grace, we kind of describe it this way. That we exist to lead people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. Now, there's a, a couple of implications behind this. First of all, if you are a follower of Jesus, then God has given you his Holy Spirit. Remember, you are sealed with God's Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And God has done that not just for our own comfort, but to lead us on a mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has given you a mission. Right? Now, chances are, if you and I were, were sitting at lunch, and I said, listen, God's mission for you is to tell the world about Jesus, you might stare back blankly. I mean, it's a, it's a really big thing. I mean, where do you even start from there? Well, one thing we can do is, is take a book, a page out of the book of the early followers of Jesus. They were devoted to Christ. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They had forsaken all other things to follow Jesus. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just with supernatural abilities, not just with, with resources beyond what they could possibly have within themselves, but also they were compelled to stand up and walk outside their front door. What's right outside your front door? Maybe for you, it's at your workplace. There's somebody two cubicles down, and you know they're struggling. You know they're having a difficult time. Maybe it's in their marriage. Maybe they're having something difficult going on in their families with their kids. And you said, God, I know you want to work in their lives, but I don't know what to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to give the opportunity and the courage to say, hey, can we go to lunch sometime? I, I, I know this might sound kind of weird. I know that you've kind of shared with what's going on in your life. Do you think we could go to lunch sometime and talk about it? Maybe your world is, is, is you're a stay-at-home mom, and, and in your world is you walk your kids to school, and there's other groups of moms, and, and, and the relationships have been really surface level. But you know things are going on in these other women's lives that are difficult, and they've shared a little bit about that. And you're like, how do I... How do I do this? Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, to empower you, to give you opportunity to just wade into these lives and say, hey, can, we, can we grab some coffee or just hang out sometime? Is it difficult? Yeah. Is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. But it is God's mission in your life. Second thing, the uh, implication of this is, is that we, as a, a collective gathering of followers of Jesus in this local church, we will always be about telling the world about Jesus. Right? We exist to be leading people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. This is not something we do as an organization. This is not something that we do, you know, okay, our leaders do that and we kind of organize things. This is you and this is me. We are not here just for an hour on Sunday mornings. We are here to see people begin flourishing relationships with Jesus. That's what we're about. So I think the question at this point is, what does this look like? I mean, I can't really give you a map. Chances are God has brought to mind a few things. But what does this really look like? I don't really know exactly what it looks like in your life. There's a couple of stories that, that I'd like to share from, from, from mine and my family. So, um, first one is this. I've got a friend um, from high school. 
And we all know Facebook is the place for reconnecting with people that you were never really great friends with in high school, right? This happened, and we became friends on Facebook, and, and we played some sports together and that sort of thing, but I, I hadn't seen him for 15 years. And then one day we reconnect on Facebook, and he's one of those guys that has a lot of opinions about everything. And honestly, if you're on Facebook and you've got a lot of opinions on everything, there's this great, like, hide button on there, and I'm just going to hide your feed, because that's not why I'm on social media, just to be honest with you. But God one day prompted me to lean in, and I didn't know why. And I didn't know what that meant, but I just felt compelled to begin asking questions that I knew it was something God wanted me to do. And so I started asking questions, especially the posts he would write about spirituality and Christianity, which honestly he's not a big fan of. And over time, just by asking questions, we began conversations kind of uh, um, through instant messaging. And we've had these great conversations over the past year. Many times it's just him asking three questions like, what's wrong with these Christian people and what's wrong with this pastor? And we, we just talk about who Jesus is. I don't know where God's going to take this, but I know without the Holy Spirit's prompting, I never would have leaned into that. Another story is, um, many of you know that here at Flourishing Grace, this is a, a church that was replanted, relaunched last January of 2017. Before then, it was a satellite campus, kind of a location of another church up in South Ogden. And um, because of that, I was part of that church, uh, I would often come down here and, and maybe preach on a Sunday, help out. My family actually found that they really liked it, so they spent a lot of time down here as well. And one Sunday, um, before this was Flourishing Grace Church, when it was still that satellite location, um, I remember it was before or after service, uh, I, just, I just was standing out, I was by the kitchen, kind of drinking a cup of coffee, and, and I heard a word, and, and while it wasn't audible in my ears, it was audible in my head, and it was unmistakably from God, and that word was just bountiful. And I knew at that moment what that meant. I knew that for some reason, I was supposed to be down here, our family was supposed to be down here serving at this location. Now, honestly, that was really impractical, because there were no openings here at the time. We had a house in Ogden. Our kids loved it at their school. It didn't make any logical sense whatsoever, but I kind of thought about it a little bit, you know, kind of tested it. I'm really cynical. I thought, yeah, no, this is from God. So I decided it was time to tell Jennifer kind of what I had been thinking about, what I felt God had given me. And it turns out on the same exact Sunday, on the same morning, she heard the same word. Okay, we didn't know what that meant, but we knew that was from God. It wasn't until several months later that Josh actually uh, took me out and we, we met and this whole plan for relaunching as Flourishing Grace Church was kind of beginning to be in the works. It was still several months ahead. And um, he sat me down and he said, listen, I'd really like you to come down and, and help out and, and take care of some logistical things and maybe we can be a good team and do this together. And because I had worked at the other church, I knew the budget here and I said, listen, I know you don't have room for another pastor in his salary on this staff, so what's your plan? And this was his plan. He said, we're going to split the one salary that we have and raise support, ask for donations from outside Flourishing Grace Church to see if we can raise enough money to support our families. And I tell you what, that took me way out of my comfort zone because I like things a certain way. I like to have a plan. I like things to be a sure thing. Our house in Ogden was great in Ogden. Down here, it costs a lot more money in Davis County to live. It didn't make any logical sense, but because of the prompting of God's Spirit, we knew that this is where we were supposed to be. We were supposed to invest in the lives of people here in South Davis County, where very, very few people 
are in a church that hear about this grace of Jesus every single week. So we came down here. And on, on the other side of it, God has been very good. He's been very gracious, and he's provided, but we didn't know that at the time. It was way out of our comfort zones. Now, I don't share these stories because we have it all together. In fact, this week, I was just completely convicted because so many times I fail to listen to the Spirit's prompting. I fail to step outside of my comfort zone. I fail to take a step in faith when I know God is leading. But in many ways, this is what it looks like. Now, a couple things. I want to speak to three groups of people really quickly as we wrap up. First... If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're glad you're here. If you've not put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus, we're glad you're here. You may not have received the Holy Spirit yet because you're not a follower of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is working on you. I mean, that's why you're here, even though years ago you said you'd never step foot in a church again, right? God is working on you. Don't miss it. Second group of people is, is, is those of you who are here and, and you grew up in a church that talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and you love the Holy Spirit and, and, and Josh and I were actually talking about that this morning. We need more of that in our churches. We need more of that in American Christianity. Just one question. Is your love of the Holy Spirit tied to God's mission? Because if I'm honest, sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, especially here in, in, in the American church, it really has to do with, oh man, I love that song. The Holy Spirit was working because I felt really good. Yes, the Holy Spirit works that way and he speaks to us in that way. But the Holy Spirit always leads us outside of our comfort zone, sometimes into the face of difficulty and opposition to tell the world about Jesus. Third group of people is this. You're a follower of Jesus, but to this point you have forgotten or outright ignored the Holy Spirit in your life. Or maybe you're a new follower of Jesus and, and you've never really thought much about this. Jennifer reminded me of, of a kind of a picture of what this looks like this week. It's like having a car in your garage and refusing to use it. Not because you want the exercise, right? Marathons are not as fun as they look. Not because you're trying to save on fossil fuels, but because you can do it on your own. Now I'm going to walk the eight miles to work on, I got this. When it snows, you strap on your boots. When you got a perfectly good Chevy Tahoe with great tires in your car, you're like, I'm going to walk there. I can do it on my own. Honestly, many times the root of that is, is pride. Or it might be that you're scared about where the Spirit's going to lead, and so you ignore God in that area of your life. Could it be that God is leading you outside your comfort zone, leading you outside what you desire for your own life, leading you to release something in your life for the sake of those outside these walls who don't yet know Jesus? Friends, may we always be a community of followers of Jesus that is willing to listen to God's lead even when it leads us into discomfort, even when it leads us to give up some of our resources, even when it leads us into difficult conversation, even when it leads us to do things that we feel like we can't do it on our own. You know what? You can't do it on your own. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. We're going to wrap up today with, with two minutes of silence. And the reason why we're going to do that is we're going to provide some space. Maybe at this point... 
you've realized that there's a few areas that the Holy Spirit is prompting you on or leading you on. We're going to sit in silence for two minutes. And I know it's difficult, especially in our culture. We don't frequently do that. But we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to show us where he's leading and to show us where he's going to provide power and abilities that are beyond our resources because the Holy Spirit empowers the church, you and me, to tell the world about Jesus. At the end of those two minutes, uh, I'm going to finish with a, a prayer and we're going to sing one more song. Holy Spirit, we find it easier sometimes to be comforted by a Father's love or to be impacted by this idea that, that the Son, Jesus, would die in our place and that he weeps with us. But we're not always sure what to do with your leading. Even Jesus said, well, it's, it's kind of like the wind. Don't know where it's going, where it comes from. We just know it's there. And so, God, we pray that as your spirit moves, that you would help us to be in tune with that by loving Christ more than anything else in this world, by accepting the love of our Heavenly Father, and by desiring for your work in our lives, whether it's convicting of sin or illuminating 
God's word. We're giving us abilities and opportunities beyond our capacity or by leading us into difficult and uncomfortable situations, not just for its own sake, but God, for the sake of those who have yet to know the love and mercy of God through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and rose again from the dead. God, you have promised that you will build your kingdom here. Not a kingdom of flesh and blood, not a kingdom of walls, but God, a kingdom that is defined by the love and the mercy that we have learned from Jesus. God, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us favor, not for our own benefit, that we might be a light here in South Davis County and tell the world about Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name.